And welcome back to the Primetime Power Show right here live on Primetime Power Radio. Featured on the TuneIn and Radio Line apps. Just search for Primetime Power Radio. Also streaming on PrimetimePowerShow.com as well as PrimetimePowerRadio.com. Tonight, we're going to start the segment off Uplift Today. We have a special guest interview on the Primetime Power Line. Tonight, we have attorney Quincy E. Booth from the Booth Firm. He's a native Philadelphian, and we're glad to have him on the program tonight. Quincy, thank you for joining us on the Primetime Power Show tonight. Thanks for having me, Derek. Thank you so much. So, Chrissy, before we start off, I know that you're a native Philadelphian, and one of the things I always like to ask is the beginnings and how you got started and what you're doing right now. So, what inspired you to become a licensed attorney? Was there a moment in your life that was a leading force to pursue you down this particular path? Thanks, Derek, for the question. I will start off by telling you that um, I'm from the Winfield area in West Philadelphia. Um, I attended Penn Memorial back Baptist Church uh, on one hand, it's my mom's church, and African uh, Episcopal Church of St. Thomas, the historic St. Thomas. That was my father's church. And in both church environments growing up, um, my parents made sure that I got into oratorical contests, speakers' contests, uh, that they were always influencing me to go up and shake people's hands and to um, really just make myself known to everyone. They used to call me a, a young politician, although I have no interest in, in politics. But because of that, I became really fascinated with just talking to people, um, hearing people's stories, speaking in front of people, educating people. And uh, that was really the precipice of first, you know, feeling like I could become someone that could call themselves an advocate. I actually participated in several speakers contests, and uh, that gave me the excitement and the confidence to stand before people and, and really communicate a message. And I think that as a lawyer, that's one of the first skill set that you need to have so at a very young age i uh i developed those skills and uh they've carried through to this day uh that's awesome so one of the things quincy i'm always curious about as as a speaker was that like a natural gift that you had or was it one of those things where you kind of had to work yourself up to being a very confident polished speaker you know uh, it runs in the family um i won't get into too too much of a family history but uh my the, the patriarch of our family said DeWitt Proctor uh, was someone who went to school with Martin Luther King, Paul Jesse Jackson, North Carolina A&T, and, and uh, so many more accolades. I mean, he was selected by John F. Kennedy to lead the Peace Corps in Nigeria in, in 1962. And uh, from the earliest uh, that I can remember, my mom and my grandmother inculcated me with uh, the confidence that that I came from that type of lineage. Uh, that, that you know that people in our family were you know pillars of the community and and people that you know the community could look to for guidance. So I think that you know that's the baseline. Um, and also one of my earliest memories is delivering the I I have a dream speech, Martin Luther King's speech to my church when I was about four years old. So I can't tell you whether or not it was innate. It's just my oldest memory uh, it, it involves speaking in front of people. So I, I think it may may have been natural. Yes. No, that's that's an awesome foundation. And, that, and that's wonderful that it carried over even to where you are right now. So speaking about where you are as an attorney, let's talk about some of the beginnings prior to that. Share with us the experience of going to law school in the first place, getting all of that knowledge that you need, building your skill up to become a lawyer that you can then say, hey, I have what it takes to effectively be able to serve people. 
Sure. So I think I have to start with a few years before law school. For five years uh, after graduating from Drexel University here in Philadelphia, I was a corporate salesperson at AT&T. Obviously, everyone knows what AT&T is. It's a Fortune 10 company, the largest telecommunications company. I had territories in Silicon Valley, um, Atlanta, and the greater D.C. area. And I was responsible for, for growing the book of business, which meant consultative selling. It meant and understanding people's pain points and how to address them. And I think that that uh, created a foundation for uh, the the client relationship management that goes into being a, an attorney. I mean, what I do is I represent people. So in order to effectively represent someone, I have to understand exactly what our goal is, what their pain points are, and obviously turn around and on my own uh, understand what legal terrain we have to navigate. So uh, being a, a corporate salesperson really helped me develop some of the baseline skills. Now, when I went to law school, uh, there was an entirely new, I guess, area of, of skills that I had to develop, which was researching and, and, and legal writing and really understanding how to formulate um, a legal argument. Mm -hmm. And Derek, that was tough. I mean, it's not natural the way that speaking in front of people might be natural. Right. Um, understanding and developing the legal aptitude to become uh, someone else's representative is totally different because uh, writing to the court, and writing to clients, uh, when you read when you read your written product, it looks a lot different than say a speech that you've written for church or an email that you've written yeah. to mm -hmm. to clients mm -hmm. in corporate America. So uh, that took a while. Uh, you know, some people it, it clicks. Uh, you know, the first few months. For me, you know, I struggled through the first year, not necessarily academically, but you know, behind closed doors to really, uh, and I really had to grind to develop that skill set. That being said. Once you develop it, it's really uh, applicable to a lot of areas of law, um, which, you know, I don't want to jump the gun, but I, I do practice several areas of law, and uh, and I, I really attribute the grind, that first year of law school, to that. Um, some people go into law school knowing, hey, look, I want to be uh, a bankruptcy lawyer, or I want to be a corporate attorney. Mm -hmm. I specifically thought that I, I wanted to stay far and far away from from the court system, from, from being a trial lawyer. Mm -hmm. Turns out that's exactly what I am today, uh, which, you know, if I was going to tell anybody a lesson, don't commit yourself too hard, too steadfastly to, to one area because, you know, life is about being adaptable and, uh, and being, you know, able, able to experience change. So I, um, I'm grateful that I can wear so many different hats now because of putting in the work um, early on in law school. And then throughout law school, you, you, you start to refine and hone those skills. Um, for me, I participated in mock trial. I was a Marshall Brennan Constitutional Literacy Fellow where we went into uh, the Homestead area in Pittsburgh. By the way, I attended University of Pittsburgh School of Law um, in the western part of our state. And uh, Homestead was a predominantly African-American community. Um, I taught kids at one of the high schools about constitutional literacy, specifically you know, issues around student rights as it as it pertained to the Constitution, um, a lot of Fourth Amendment search and seizure stuff as it applies to students, uh, and I also help them kind of in stride with my background prepare for an oratorical competition, a, a national moot court mm -hmm. competition. So um, that was one of the ways that I both gave back to the community in school and refined and honed my own, my own skills. So. 
I hope that answers the question. Oh, absolutely. Very thorough answer, Quincy. I appreciate that. So one of the things that I, I hear personally, you didn't have any problem or any issue hearing your calling, how you were supposed to be led. And it sounded like you really just took leaps and, and you really went forth in the way that you were supposed to be guided. Like you really understood what your journey and destiny path was. Is, is that kind of fair to what I'm hearing from you? I would say it's it's mostly uh, correct. I mean, look, I, uh, like a lot of other people that go to law school or med school or some other professional school, um, had to consider going into debt. Um, I left a, right. a, a pretty good job mm -hmm. in corporate America on the whim okay. that my calling was to do something other than, you know, uh, be a corporate salesperson. Despite the fact that I was helping people and you know, making money, it, it wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling. So, so interesting that Quincy, that you mentioned that. So you didn't have a traditional leap from going to just a bachelor's degree right into law school. You actually went into the, the working world, corporate America. And then later on you went, you transitioned and decided, Hey, I want to be a lawyer. Let me go back to school. Let me get what I need and quit myself so I can be just that. Correct. And, and I would, I would suggest to anyone listening, anyone who's, who's young or uh, considering, um, you know, what they're going to do after college, working in the corporate sector was probably one of the best things that could have happened for me prior to going to law school because I had my head on straight when I got to school. I was mm -hmm. I was already a professional for, yes. for all intents and purposes. And when it comes to what I what I mentioned earlier, grinding at school and understanding the work ethic ethic that's required it was easier for me than you know some of my peers not not all mm -hmm. uh, everyone that goes to law school is for the most part very serious but it was easier for me than some of my peers to to kind of just hit the ground running when it came to the workload that is i think unparalleled uh in law school right uh, to, to any other type of schooling um there's a ton of reading a ton of self-motivation that's required uh and like i said you got to have a strong work ethic so being a professional for five years really helped helped out with that right getting that real world experiencing and understanding and knowing what it is and then being able to embrace all the things that you picked up from it yeah, I can see how that would definitely be an asset to you moving forward, transitioning to becoming a lawyer. So question in regards to that transition, that switch, if you want to call it, what what made you say, hey, the corporate America gig is I'm doing well, I'm thriving as a professional, but there's more to what I want to do. What made you go from corporate America to the boot firm? You know, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll first start off with it wasn't exactly corporate America to the boot firm. There's been some stops along the road. Okay. Um, so, you know, long story short, I wasn't fulfilled. I, I didn't feel mm -hmm. like I was being intellectually nourished as, as much as I wanted to, to be, uh, when I was in corporate America and I'm not knocking corporate America. It's just that, you know, some people, you know, a lot of people go to grad school because they want more education. And I can tell you, Derek, there is no education like a legal education. Mm. So many people, uh, including many people in our community don't understand their rights. They yeah. don't understand, mm -hmm. um, even how to go about thinking 
about what rights are important, you know, on any given day. Right. Um, a lot of people think about criminal law, right? What mm-hmm. are my rights when I get mm-hmm. stopped by a police? After the fact, right. Okay? Right. right, reactive, and, and, right. And, and that's like, you know, half or less than half. Mm-hmm. I would say I would say it's actually a small fraction of the law at large. Now, whether the media wants you to believe that it's the part of the law that our people encounter the most is a separate story. I, I, would, I would suggest that it's not, right? People are tenants and have uh, potential landlord-tenant issues, so property law uh, every day, no matter what race or or creed you are. Uh, People are employed, right? So there's employer-employee law, labor law. Mm -hmm. People formulate businesses. Yeah, all the time. uh, And and, and you need to understand your your legal rights or some legal issues surrounding the formation and operation of your business. And people are involved in accidents every single day and uh, don't know the first place to go uh, and I'd suggest that you call the booth firm uh, if you are involved in an accident uh, but when it comes to their personal injury rights that which is called tort law mm-hmm. so um you know, fortunately, I've had uh, the ability to put my hand and, and represent people in all of the areas I just mentioned. Um, but, you know, our, our people and, and, and really all people need to understand that it's not about civics, but, but understanding that every move you make, everything you do on a daily basis is going to intersect with some part of the law. Doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not telling people to think about being litigious. Don't go out there thinking that you, you have, you know, that you're going to be able to sue everybody that, that makes you feel upset or, 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 you know, that, you know, that you're disappointed with. But I would suggest that you call us at the booth firm to understand, uh, you know, what your legal rights may be, or, or really just for a free consultation to understand, um, you know, what your options are, uh, no matter what you, no matter how silly you think your issue is, or no matter how how much you but you believe that you've been harmed, it, one way or the other, we're going to have an answer for you and help guide you, and that's what we do every day. Yeah, absolutely, and always seeking that knowledge and gaining that wisdom. That's always going to be an asset, and and it's going to be a help and a support to you. So, speaking of that, in regards to the practice areas, let's jump into that a bit, Quincy, in relation to what the Booth Firm offers. What would you consider the heaviest concentration? I see that you do uh, motor vehicle accidents, construction accidents, uh, dangerous products, medical malpractice, premises liability, liquor liability, estate planning and administration. What what would you say uh, as of, let's recap a little bit, 2020, what would you say, what was the core practice areas where you felt like you had to provide the support the most? Yeah, so I would say that, and it's a tough question because, you know, I don't want to discourage any of the listeners from contacting uh, the booth firm to discuss any right. area of law that they that they have a need. However, most of what we've done in the past has revolved around catastrophic personal injury. Uh, and I say catastrophic; it doesn't have to be uh, involving life or limb. But you know, we've we've represented victims and, and injured people from you know broken bones, mm-hmm. uh, you know, minor. Uh, soft tissue injuries all the way to the loss of life. So uh, an anecdotal reference would be the building collapse case, um, the Salvation Army building that collapsed yeah, I remember in 2013. That. Yep. Um, I personally worked on that case mm-hmm. uh, quite, a, quite a bit. And re- we represented, uh, you know, I wasn't at the booth firm at the time, but the firm that I was at represented seven people, including uh, a fatality. Um, and that was an amazing experience for me to be able to sit there across the table from 
the mother of a of a of a of a dead person uh, who who perished in that collapse, and six other catastrophically injured people, and ushered them through what was a very long trial and an even longer legal process and, 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 and lawsuit. That helped me understand construction accident law. It helped me understand mm-hmm. uh, wrongful death law. It also opened the door for me to understand, you know, what I reference when I say state administration and planning. Uh, because, you know, a lot of a lot of people, everyone knows somebody that's passed. And everyone ultimately will know somebody that's passed if you, if you don't yet. Yeah. Everyone has a family member who's, who's going to transition and you know, when talking about our community specifically, um, we don't think enough ahead uh, when it comes to planning. So I'm helping people every day with their estate administration. What that means is drafting wills and not just drafting wills, but consultatively guiding someone through the process of understanding how to dispose of their property, who it's going to go to, what the tax implications are, mm-hmm. um, how, how potentially to avoid those tax implications. And the reason why personal injury and estate administration intersect so well is because, like I said, sometimes I've, uh, I'm representing someone who's uh, the wife, son, you know, mother, father of someone else who has perished in a wrongful death accident, uh, and a wrongful death lawsuit arises out of it, and that requires understanding on the other side of things, the estate, how to how to interact with the Register of Wills, the Department of Estate Inheritance Tax in Pennsylvania, Department of Revenue, and um, we really just handle things soup to nuts for people. So our goal is always to just relieve you from any headaches that might happen further down the road uh, and to take that burden off of your plate. Awesome. So some of the practice areas, and I know the core of what we just talked about uh, was under construction accidents. Just for our audience, if you could just give a general description of what motor vehicle accidents, what that entails, uh, dangerous products, and, and the other practice areas that you focus on. Sure. So your motor vehicle accident is probably the most common. Uh, and, you know, I, I'll give you an anecdotal reference. I represent someone who was rear-ended uh, on Baltimore Pike recently. She's eight months pregnant. Her uh, belly hit the steering wheel. Oh, wow. And she uh, has required extensive treatment. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by treatment is medical treatment, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, you get involved in an accident, you know, the booth firm is going to help you get the best medical care. Then we're going to turn around and represent you to the insurance company that represents the person who hurt you. So if someone is in, in a car and causes you harm, whether you're a pedestrian or or another motorist, you know, you have rights. That's why we have car insurance, right? And, you know, sometimes the motor vehicle accident is involving a truck or a commercial vehicle. And people don't understand automatically that that means there's likely more money to go out and get on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. to help you with, you know, what's called damages. Mm-hmm. Damages are, you know, the general pain and suffering that you experience. Like I said, my, my one client, you know, has a lot of pain and suffering, not only physical, but emotional. I mean, you can imagine being eight months pregnant and someone causing 
unexpected, unwanted, premature contractions. You've got to go start treating a lot more with the doctor than you initially had planned. Yep. Uh, you've got to, you know, you've got emergency, you've got emergency response team bills, ambulance bills, you might miss work. And all of that is, is the type of damage that you could be compensated for. Yeah. Even the uh, mental aspect of it. I mean, that's the other part. Right. And Derek, you know, don't get me wrong. What people need to understand is if you get tapped in the back of your car, and nothing happens to you. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't have a case. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you if you are going to suffer some type of damage, you have a case. Absolutely. Okay. And you know most auto acts, most auto policies are fifteen thousand dollars, right? And this, I want to take this opportunity quickly to educate the listeners about why it's important to understand what your auto policy is. When you get into an accident, you're thinking, oh, the other driver has X amount of money. But what a lot of people don't understand is there's something called underinsured mm-hmm. and uninsured motorist coverage. Yes, and that's with your auto policy. That helps you get money from your insurance company when the other driver doesn't have enough. Right. And trust me. It happens quite a bit. Free, I can personally free. attest to that, Quincy. You're absolutely right on that. It's very frequent yes, it is. that I represent someone that has damages that exceed yes. the other drive, the responsible driver's yep. auto policy limits. So, you know, everyone really needs to just bite that bullet and pay the 15 to $30 more a month yep. to make sure that you've got that extra the coverage, $30,000 yeah. potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, or more, I, I would I would even go as far as to suggest getting a, a policy that has you know a hundred thousand dollars and under insured. Yeah, that, that is an excellent tip because so many times we base it off of the quote. Now, obviously, it's budget considerations that we have to factor. We understand that, but if you're able to, you you definitely want to do that upgrade because it's, it's, it's going to come in handy when you need it the most. So that's right. that's and a great tip. Know, yeah. Another another area is premises liability. Right. Th- this is very simple. If you're on someone else's property and you get hurt because because of a dangerous condition that the property owner you know, knew about or they should have known about. And when I say should have known, I mean they should have taken reasonable steps to make sure that their property didn't have a dangerous condition. Yep. When I walk outside of my house, if there's a hole you know, uh, on the sidewalk in front of my property that I own, I'm going to barricade it. I'm going to make sure that everyone that could potentially walk by that area avoids that pothole or that hole, right? Um, if you're in Wawa and you slip and fall and you, you, you know, you tear a ligament in your knee, Wawa is responsible because they should know that, um, you know, th- that there's a dangerous condition. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not uh, singling out Wawa and any type of establishment, or property that has that has uh, what's called business invitees, um, you know, is required to make sure and guard against those dangerous conditions. So, you know, you can contact contact us about that. When you when you're at work and you get hurt, that's when workers' compensation comes about, right? We represent workers' compensation victims, and that means like your company has a workers' compensation insurance policy because they're responsible for their employees' safety. And if you're working in the course and scope of your employment for someone and you get hurt, you are entitled to getting you know lost wages and your medical bills paid for. A lot of times employers want to refuse to do that they want to dispute what happened and that's when you need to call us yes um construction accidents there's a federal law it's called the uh, it's called osha occupational 
Safety Health Administration. And that is the governing body for work site safety. So uh, if you are a construction worker or you're a union worker or really any type of employee that's going to be uh, doing some type of work is likely going to interact with an OSHA regulation. Uh, I mentioned the building collapse case. There were tons of OSHA violations when you know the owner of that building that collapsed allowed two, three floors yeah, I of, can imagine. Unsu- of, an uns- of an unsupported wall right. to loom above the Salvation Army. Um, so, you know, understanding the, the OSHA regulations is something that, you know, the attorneys at the booth firm are, are familiar with and can and can understand how to employ the violation of those regulations to maximize the compensation for someone that's that's hurt on a work site. Um, you know, medical malpractice is another area, right? And I, I get a lot of calls about medical malpractice. Somebody's doctor pissed them off. That's not medical malpractice. Yeah. But a doctor who fails to understand that a biopsy is required when you see, you know, what they think is a shad on a, on, a, on a mammogram or uh, some type of radiograph, they, they're responsible when two years later it turns out that you have cancer, right? I want, I want to back up and just, and just say people understand the principles of the law because when you feel bad about something, when you feel like something's just not right, likely there, there has been some negligence, right? When you, when you see somebody speeding down the street and you're like, I don't, I don't see what his odometer says, but I know that he's moving too fast. He's, he's being reckless or she's being reckless. They're, they're not obeying the laws of the road. And, then, and when someone gets hurt because of that, guess what? That driver's insurance policy uh, or insurance company needs to pay out on the per for the people that they hurt. Right. Um, you know, there are so many areas of, and, and all we've covered really is tort law. I want to quickly shift gears. I mean, COVID-19 has really impacted everyone. It's been a tough year. I want people to know that we're here for you, right? We can help you um, with respect to employment issues. If you know your employer laid you off because of COVID, we can, we can help you understand what type of ramifications there may be or, or what implications you might you might have uh, against your employer um there are tons of people that are starting to have been suffering financially and are just really building up the debt uh and we have been helping people with bankruptcy uh because it's it's really important to keep your credit intact or even if it's not possible to to understand you know how to get out of that debt and bankruptcy might be a, an option to consider. A lot of people have the misconception that it's going to destroy you, you know, destroy your future. That's not the case, right? You can call the booth firm um, to understand, you know, your options around that. And, you know, I mentioned estate planning and administration. That's one of the most important areas because not that COVID-19 has put has necessarily made people at, at a greater risk of, of dying than they might have otherwise been, but we've, we've seen the numbers. You know, now's, no time is better than now to start planning for the future and start planning for your end-of-life event. Um, if you've got children or family or loved ones that you want to be taken care of, you want to make the decision while you're alive. You don't want the state to decide for you, which is what happens if you don't have a will in place yeah. or a plan. 
plan in place mm-hmm. before you die. Um, so those are a few areas that you know we really get uh, our sleeves rolled up on. We're, we're here to always give you free consultations. You never have to pay us a dime uh, until you decide to hire us. With respect to personal injury cases, we don't get paid until you get paid. Right. So, Questy, one more question in regards to practice areas, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll we'll come back on the other side. One more liability that I saw that was interesting that I don't hear very often is liquor liability. Just explain what that is briefly and just just talk about that. That's just not a term that I I see that often. Sure. So a lot of times somebody gets into a car accident and, you know, they see the other driver and say something's not right about that guy or or, or girl, Mm -hmm. right? You need to tell us that, the attorneys that, because I want to know if that driver has been drinking. The reason I want to know is because if they came from a bar or establishment that was serving alcohol, then that establishment is just as much, if not more, at fault Interesting. for your accident than mm-hmm. the driver themselves. I mean, Derek, there's even cases which are called first-party uh, liability cases where if you are the drunk driver and you hurt yourself, you can still sue the establishment that overserved you. Wow. So some of the elements that you got to understand yeah, that, yeah. Uh, like establishments that have liquor licenses that's another really quick uh, tangent i want to go on if it, you got to have an attorney that understands who to sue some establishments might have the owner of the building like the company that does the maintenance at the building and then the one random company that actually owns the liquor license that's the company that is most responsible when someone's overserved so what is liquor liability it's when a, an establishment overserves someone who uh, excessively serves someone who is visibly intoxicated and what does it mean to be intoxicated? What does it mean to be visibly intoxicated? Those are things that you know an attorney at the booth firm is going to be able to understand how to develop through evidence, how to uncover through investigation and diligence. And uh, you know, like if some if you've got witnesses that are saying, "Hey, the guy was slurring before." Yes. You know, the, the, the bartender served them. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're starting to push a little closer to meeting that element of, of, of excessively serving someone who's visibly intoxicated. Yes. If you can put together a case like that, you have just opened the door to, you know, a great multiplier of money that's available. Because let's say the guy that's, that, that left the bar drunk and got in his car only has a $15,000 policy and causes someone to be a paraplegic, mm-hmm. which is going to have... You you know, yeah. the uh, unfortunate, you know, result of requiring millions of dollars. Well, 15000 isn't going to cut it, but the bar's policy might be a million and there might be an excess layer of insurance coverage of $5 million, And now you're talking about being able to actually maximize somebody's compensation for uh, the injuries that, that were caused to them by a drunk driver. Yeah, this is just great information, Quincy. What we're going to do at this time, we'll take a break on the Primetime Power Show right here on Primetime Power Radio. And on the other side, we're going to continue our interview with Quincy E. Booth, Esquire of the Booth Firm. We'll be right back in a few moments. And welcome back to the Primetime Power Show right here live on Primetime Power Radio. 
We're going to pick up where we left off on our guest interview with Quincy E. Booth. He's an attorney at the Booth Firm. And Quincy, first of all, thanks again for joining us on the Primetime Power Show tonight. What I wanted to do is get your viewpoint or your steps in relation to how a novice should uh, start the process of properly seeking out counsel and how they begin the initial interaction with a lawyer. So it's really simple. Uh, and I can only speak to interacting with us at the booth firm. Um, if you are a social media uh, frequenter, you want to look at our handle at the booth firm on Instagram, uh, our Facebook page, the booth firm, uh, and also, you can email us at quincy at the booth firm dot com. Uh, you can give us a call at toll free eight hundred four six three three zero seven one. And that's a disclaimer for anyone that's actually been injured in, in any kind of accident, wants to create a will or a trust, or is seeking bankruptcy help, or business law questions, or landlord and tenant uh, help, uh, etc. Um, also, if you have questions contact us at any of those numbers or email addresses or Instagram handles for free consultation. That segues me into the real answer. I mean, you, you, you want to get a consultation from a lawyer. If you have any type of question, contact us and we will give you the answer. Um, if we don't have the answer, we are plugged in with un, into a, a vast network of attorneys that, that may specialize even that much more into your specific area of need. So we're really the single stop shop for anything related to the law. I mean, our slogan is, we're your first call for everything law. Uh, and I want to keep echoing that um, because we, we, we can we can help guide you. So, Quincy, how, how should one prepare themselves before they get in touch with you? Is it helpful for them to get documentation together, information, details? Is that a necessary first initial step? It's, is that helpful? I, I, you know, I, I would always encourage people to be... Uh, organized and try to be as prepared as possible. I, however, I would never want to discourage someone right. from just jumping out there and reaching out to us uh, because we can shepherd you through the process of understanding what it is that you do need to organize and, and, and collect because that will help us to help you. A lot of times I'm on the phone with a client and look, Derek, everyone has a saga to tell, mm -hmm. right? And I will listen to it. I yeah. want to listen. Yeah. However, what I what I always have to do is kind of take a step back and tell my clients or prospective clients, let me ask you the questions because I understand what I'm going to need to turn around and, and, and communicate to the court or yep. communicate to opposing counsel, right? So l let me find out. Let me do the mining for what's mm -hmm. for what's relevant mm -hmm. um, through my consultative process. Absolutely. And that, that's definitely the, the best and most effective way to go about it as well. So I, I noticed uh, you did mention you're on social media as well. And, and I saw you had a, a recent video talking about um, sharing some important tips on how to respond when a matter arises that leads to legal assistance. And just just talk about that. Share share how important it is being knowledgeable about responding in a proper way when a situation happens to arise up. Yeah, so I, I think the video that you're talking about might have to do with your social media output. Uh, when yeah. you're involved in, yes. in a case. Yes. And, and really what I was trying to communicate was that people are always, this is very general, people are always watching. And if you're involved in an accident, specifically the people that are watching are the, you know, this, the, the surveillance company that, 
the other driver's insurance company went out and hired to follow you or to go onto your Instagram, Facebook, or any other social media platform to see what you're up to, right, or what you've been up to since the accident. Uh, if you're claiming that, you know, you've suffered some type of physical ailment or harm, you know, the last thing you want to do is be caught, you know, doing some some serious physical activity. And I, I'm not saying, you know, that you want to be deceptive at all. I mean, you, you always need to be truthful. But why expose yourself to unnecessary, you know, scrutiny or hurt your case because, you know, you, you're, you're, you're too excited about posting on social media. Yeah, um, you're forgetting, you're forgetting, you're, you're not just talking to your friends and your buddies, you're talking to everyone literally all over the world right. <laughs> in regards and, to and your you business. Know, the first yeah. response is, someone says, oh, my account's private. Well, Okay, once your lawsuit is initiated and there's a discovery, which is you know mm -hmm. the, the point at which in your lawsuit you have to kind of exchange information with with either side, and you know questions are being propounded upon you about you know your your life, and you've got to respond under oath. When someone asks if you got a social media account, you've got to say yes. So um, you know, and, and you might have to open it up to that. So. Just be mindful because um, someone's always watching. I've had cases where literally my client was going to his high school graduation. And in discovery, it, it, it turned out that the insurance company that represented the defendant had sent someone to follow this kid. On, on his graduation day. Wow. All the way all the way to, you know, they had photos of, of him and his cap and gown. So, you know, no place is, is exempt from being surveilled. Uh, mm -hmm. and I'm not look, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to freak anyone out, but right. you know, the term Big Brother is watching has been around for a long time, mm -hmm. even before social media. So why you know, why I think that that's gone away now. Yep. So, Quincy, just a, a few more questions. 2021 PA law changes. I, I know you also put something out there in relation to that. Just is, is there is any key changes that uh, Pennsylvanians should be aware of that that would be helpful? Yeah, I mean, you know, this was a very uh, narrow you know idea that I was talking about, which is if you're a driver, you know, there's a new law that's called the move over law. Uh, if you're on a roadway and you see an emergency response team or vehicle or flashing lights, a warning sign, anything that suggests, uh, you know, flares, anything that suggests that there's been an accident or an emergency, you are now required to move over to a lane that's not immediately next to the shoulder where that incident happened uh, so as to get out of even further out of harm's way. But I thought it was even further interesting that you have to reduce your speed to 20 miles an hour below the posted limit so you know i'm, I'm always educating our listeners our our, our, our instagram followers our really our, our constituents and, and prospective clients because um there is so much under the legal sun right to know about um you know that that why not just give it away for free? Why not give as much information away as possible uh, for free? And this was just one little nugget. I mean, I'm always promoting safe driving. I don't want anyone to get into an accident. I want you to know that if you do, you got to call us. We can help maximize the compensation for you. Definitely. So just a final question, Quincy, in regards to on your personal side, um, you know, when you're when you're not practicing law when you're not helping people what, what's some of your hobbies what's some of your interests that people may not know about you yeah so I, I like i said before i love 
giving back to the community. Um, we just did a holiday giveaway at the Booth Farm where we did seven days of, of holiday giveaways. We partnered with local businesses um, to try to shed some light on their businesses and uh, graciously uh, they, they contributed certain services or, or products for our followers and, and their followers. Um, I am the vice president and a board member of the Camden Center for Youth Development, which is a social agency that helps at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some of my community involvement. I, you know, I'm a, I, I love to play golf, although, uh, you know, here in Philly, you can't, you can't do that for several months during, a during the latter part of the year. I've got a chocolate Labrador who's like a year and a half awesome. old. He pretty much occupies a lot of my time. <laughs> uh, and, and, and really spending time with friends and family. I mean, it's, it's it might sound boring, but that's what I enjoy to do. No, all great stuff, Quincy. So, Quincy, before we, we head out, and thanks again for being a part of the show, just share your information one more time. We want to make sure our audience know how to get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, one more time. I mean, if you've been involved in any kind of accident or injured i want you to call 267-231-1195 my toll-free number is 800-463-3071 follow us at the booth firm send me an email at quincy at the booth firm.com and uh either get your case started get a free consultation or just in general get some help we're here to help Thank you so much, Quincy, for joining us on the Primetime Power Show on the Primetime Power Line right here on Primetime Power Radio. 